welcome to Gutsy Matters Podcast, brought to you by storednaturally.com. I'm Wendy Allen. And I'm Helen Reynolds. Gutsy Matters Podcast is for independent thinkers who aren't afraid to stand out from the crowd. Our conversations are with people who, like us, are willing to create something they believe in, something that helps us all to live more sustainably, more consciously and with greater connection. We're delighted you're joining us to discover, uncover and create opportunities and perspectives about health, wealth and sustainable living. Today's guest is Dr Polly Bury. She is a chemical and materials engineer and food scientist at the University of Southern Queensland. She has expertise in developing fundamental understanding of the relationships between formulation, microstructure, processing and rheological behaviour of food materials developed over a 19-year industry-linked academic research career. Polly leads the Bachelor of Science Food Science major and the Food Waste Valorisation Research Program team. The food science major spans specialist units relevant to food science and general units focusing on mathematical analysis and communication. The rest of the major can encompass related electives in wine science, plant agricultural science, health, engineering and business. Polly's current research interests lie in the development of useful products and energy offsets from food excess and processing byproducts, specifically ingredients, nutritional products and composite materials including bioplastics. Through this research, the Food Waste Valorisation team works with industries to analyse food supply systems and determine economically and environmentally viable food byproduct transformation strategies and processes. The ethos of the team is that food loss and waste are untapped resources with many potential applications beyond landfill. We are really looking forward to hearing more about some of these great food repurposing projects and all that they're working on. So welcome, Polly, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Wendy and Helen, for having me along. We'll start off with finding out a little bit about what you do and if you can tell us a bit about what you do and some of the byproduct projects that you are currently working on. Yeah, um, I'll tell you a little bit about how I got started because while I work with food as my main material, um, there's quite a few others, um, which bioplastics was mentioned in there as well, um, but there's a few other things I work on too. So I started, uh, as you mentioned, as a chemical materials engineer back in New Zealand. When I was getting into my final years, I worked with a lot of the stuff you might expect for someone with that background. Um, so I worked in the steel wire industry, I worked in the plastics industry, um, and my first position was actually in the timber industry once I graduated as well. Um, but the opportunity came along to do my PhD in food. And originally it was going to be in bioplastics, but when I got started, my new supervisor said to me, actually, we've got this other project which we really need someone on, which is with Cadbury. And I said, okay, sure. Uh, and that's how my, my work with food started. So um, that project was looking at a lot of the things that I look at today, which was understanding that if you change the process for making a food product, what does that mean for what we call the rheological properties. So that might be how squishy or stretchy or um, how it flows um, if it's a more liquid material. And then based on how it behaves during processing in that regard, what it means for the eating quality. So what's the texture of the food like? Uh, what's the flavour release and so on? And that gave me a really good grounding for the things that I do today as well. So an angle where... 
uh, we're trying to prevent food being wasted. So in our team, we don't actually like the word waste, um, and we've talked a long time about maybe we should change the name of the team. But uh, what we do is we take food that if we don't do something with it, it will become a waste. And we try to turn it into some useful resources because there's actually quite a few resources that go into producing food in the first place. So, you know, from your growing point of view, you need water, energy, nutrients, you need microorganisms. They actually help the process along quite a lot, as I found from one of my colleagues. And if you don't eat it, then it sort of just turns into a waste material. And a lot of food actually is a methane generator as well if it's not controlled. So we're all about controlling some of those processes, maybe turning them into useful products, or if it has to go into an energy resource like methane that's done in a controlled manner, not in a way that might cause, for example, environmental problems. That's really interesting. I'm so glad that you explained what rheological means because it was a a mystery to me. And um, lucky for the chocolate, hey, that got you started. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, because yeah, as I mentioned, I was originally going to start in bioplastics. Um, and to be honest, um, bioplastics are often made with stuff that may um, have been a, a food ingredient type of material. So they've got starch, bioplastics um, and other materials as well. And that can sometimes be a problem, like we need this for food or we need this for something else. And sometimes there's a bit of tension there, so there's a lot of research and um I guess, technology that's gone into, um, hey, let's make sure we do this right. The first thing that comes to my mind in terms of a food waste substance that I can think of being repurposed into something quite um, common now is uh, the pineapple leather. Is that the kind of thing that we're talking about here? That's one of the kinds of things that we're talking about. So, yes, yeah, so our team actually works on quite a few things. So um, we have a publication that's coming out very soon. It's in press where we talk about modelling of what we call food excess and food byproduct. Um, and so pineapple skin will be considered what we call a byproduct because it's not typically something you eat. Um, it's not terribly pleasant to eat, might be a bit chewy and fibrous, um, and you can't really digest a lot of it. Um, And so, yeah, you can use it for something like leather. Um, The pineapples are actually really interesting because the leaves um, also have some very useful applications as well. And again, the leaf isn't something that you're going to eat. So, yeah, when we talk about waste, we talk about those two things, excess and byproducts. Excess will be things that you might actually eat, but because, you know, they might have gone towards spoilage or there's too much of it to use in time, that's an excess. And then your things like your skins, your peels, your leaves and that kind of stuff that you wouldn't eat, uh, that's your byproducts. So can you tell us a little bit about a project that you're actually currently working on now and, and what that involves? Okay, so we've got a couple on the go um, right now and a few that we've finished in the past as well. Um, so some of them I can talk about. Um, so one of the ones um, we got going just in the last year uh, was looking at sweet potato leaves and vines. So potatoes and sweet potatoes are probably one of the largest crops grown in Australia um, in terms of volume, along with things like carrots, tomatoes, uh, probably lettuce uh, and a few other things. Um, but with sweet potato leaves and vines, uh, your important part for eating is normally the sweet potato. But not many people know that the leaves and vines um, are actually consumable as well. Um, in parts of Asia, they might use them as a leafy green and a stir fry or something like that. 
and they've got a really, um, you know, a lot of really good um, nutritional compounds in terms of micronutrients that are really good for supporting health as well. Um, and so we've got a, a bit of a project that got started last year, which was looking at the sweet potato leaves and vines. Now, if you let the vines grow, but you get this sort of almost really fibrous material, which isn't pleasant for consuming, um, but you have the tender ends, which might be more useful. So I had uh, one project where we were comparing the sort of more fibrous material with the tender material. Um, and what it meant in terms of protein content uh, and fiber content. Um, and my student at the time um, had a bit of a brewing background. He goes, there's some really interesting aromas in this. It smells a little bit hoppy um, as well. And so we were thinking about, you know, all the sorts of interesting things um, you could potentially do with sweet potato leaves and vines, which um, normally get piled up, um, for example, um, or they might be just plowed back into the ground. That's okay as long as that's turned over on a regular basis, and that doesn't always happen. But if not, um, there's possibly some potential markets that it could go to. So in order to do that, you need a bit of the science and the demonstration of that first, and then think about, well, would people be interested in this as well as a product? So did the student actually try the leaves as a hop alternative? No, that is the next project. Um, ah. So their project, yeah, their project laid the groundwork. Um, so they did a lot of the chemical analysis. There's quite a few good minerals in there as well. Um, the protein content actually really surprised us. I didn't really think of leaf and vine as something that might have a you know, a good protein content. Um, so with that, we're probably going to explore um, exactly what the amino acids are. So those are the different proteins um, that might be present um, and whether they are nutritional ones that are good for humans. Um, and then we are definitely going to be exploring that hoppiness a bit more. So we have a microbrewery um, not far from our campus um, and I've already raised this with the <laughs> owner. So, so we may be doing some experiments soon. It just springs to mind, I'm always after a gluten-free beer and it's not the hops that brings the gluten, but I don't know why my, my, that's where my brain went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so with um, beer, it's normally the grains that are yeah, fermented. Yes. Yeah, um, so you might get gluten in, in that regard and um, it needs to all be converted uh, or you use a different source. So you can get rice beers as well where that's used as a source rather than a barley or a wheat. And sorghum too, I think, is sometimes... Yes. Yes, I believe you can have sorghum beer as well. So it's interesting that the um, young leaves are um, higher in protein than you expected. Yeah, so it was... Yeah, no, um, so they were dried down um, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I never expected it to be the level that it was. So as a dried product, it's actually quite decent. Um, so we'd probably explore, well, if that's the case, what kind of things could we put that in for that um, component? So it's interesting you say about using the leaves, which until recently people probably didn't think about it. And as you say, in Asian flavours and Asian cooking that, that they probably do. But I actually had a, a friend the other day who does a lot of work with herbs and grows herbs and you know, commercially um, said that, yeah, she just made this amazing salad with um, sweet potato leaves and things. So it's interesting that it's sort of just topical. I looked at my sweet potatoes growing and thought, mm, well, I'm going to go and um, use some of those leaves and, and do the same thing. Yeah, no, have a go. Um, it's always uh, interesting trying out new things. Um, we recently, and this will hopefully be getting off the ground soon, um, I recently took my final year students to visit a bush foods farm. 
Um, and so we spent that morning trying lots of different things um, as well. So the farm had quite a few um, interesting things. They had the old man's salt bush, a few other things. The really interesting thing, which is not necessarily a bush fruit, um, but rosella leaves taste really good, which is something I would never have thought of trying before either. It is interesting. I know I've spoke to some of the people that are students in the Mulberry Project that's located in Toowoomba and they grow a lot of foods from from countries of of the people. There's there's quite a number of um, people who've been refugees in the past and have come over to Australia and things that are their native foods and going through some of them with um, one of the fellows one day and he was going, no, 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 you can eat that. And I go, I've got that growing in my garden. Native violets was one. Um, oh. And you see native violet flowers in because of the, the food industry and, and, you know, the trend for having um, edible flowers on different foods and yeah. things. But he said, oh, no, but you can eat the leaves. You put the leaves in salad. You can eat this. And we were picking all these things. And I was going, that's a weed that grows in my garden. He's going, no, 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 but you can eat that. You can eat the berries. You can eat the, the, yeah. the leaves. And so I was, yeah, I was quite amazed at the different things. So there's so many things that we we don't realise that we actually can eat. But in saying that, you have to also be careful and don't just go picking picking lots of things yes. and think you can eat everything as well because there are obviously poisonous plants as well. So we do have to be uh, a note of caution. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I guess it almost takes us back to our foraging days um, in more ancient times where, you know, that's what we used to do um, as humans, just pick and choose things. Um, and uh, you eventually learnt over time what not to eat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we had better observation skills back then. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> now, one of the things that you're working on, and I understand you're working on a project with the Fight Food Waste CRC, and um, it's about Queen Garnet plums and valuating so that none of the plum is wasted. Can you tell us a little bit more about the research that you're doing with that? I can tell you a little bit about that. Um, there is some stuff commercial and confidence, um, which is something often as a, a food scientist you have to deal with. So you can only say so much and no more. With the Queen Garnet Plum, it's an interesting one. It was developed by uh, DAF some years ago um, as a variety of plum. It's very high in a compound called anthocyanin, and that's been well published and well acknowledged as well. Um, it's the compound in fruits and vegetables that gives them that sort of deep um, red, purplish, bluish colour. Um, so other things like blueberries are a really good example. Um, your purple carrots, which a colleague of mine, Lindsay Brown, um, worked on previously as well, um, they all have this compound of anthocyanin. And so the project is about taking a look at the nutrients uh, on farm when the plum is growing and uh, some products um, that you can produce as well, which I can't talk too much about, and uh, understanding how those changes occur um, through those production and um, processing activities as well. And with the with the goal of making sure no fruit is wasted, so what are the things that we could make in the future? How can we transform them? Uh, because a lot of it can get sold as fresh fruit, but not necessarily all of it. Um, And so you need to make sure that all of it can be used. There are some products out there on the market. We are working with a a partner, which is Nutrifruit, and they have a few products out there. One is a freeze-dried powder product, which you can buy. And they have what's called a nectar product, which is a a nectar, when you buy it in the super, it's not quite a juice. It's a little bit more concentrated than a juice, um, but you can drink it uh, just like a drink. So is the nectar a little bit uh, similar to the, the product that I think was also developed um, at Stanthorpe, um, the apple product, the drinkable apple? 
The drinkable apple one, I have tried that one. Probably that one, I would say, uh, is a little bit different. It uses most of the apple as far as I'm aware. Um, with the plum products, you have the powder product and the nectar product, and there's two different parts of the plum. Is the whole idea to use all of the plum? I mean, obviously, plums have seeds and a large seed, not like an apple. So yeah. that's obviously yeah. discarded. Is that correct? Yeah, um, it tends to be like if you're buying as fresh fruit, obviously you don't eat the stone. Um, so what do people tend to do with them? Uh, they do discard them. They can be used. Uh, it takes a while to establish trees, but, you know, you can use them for that um, as well. But, however, I believe there are um, ownership rights uh, around the plum itself. So you have to be approved to be growing it as well. Yes, but, but part of the project isn't about using the seed for something like in grinding it up or, or anything like that. It's, it's mostly the fruit. No, the no, 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 no. The focus, the focus is on the, the flesh and the fruit for that. Um, but, yeah, the stone could be the focus of other research. How well established are we in developing products from food byproducts? Like, you know, I started at the beginning with the pineapple leather. Um, and do we do we do something with mango as well? But how how sort of far down the track are we in terms of like an industry point of view in in using these parts of the food that we don't normally use? Okay, in Australia, I would say, just based on the things that you've mentioned, probably in its infancy. Overseas, um, they've definitely forged ahead of us uh, in terms of using byproducts uh, in other products as well. And it's funny you mention that because I am aware of projects that are focusing on some of the the food byproducts you've mentioned um, that are trying to get underway as well. Um, So, yeah, hence I mentioned the infancy. Um, One of the things um, that is really quite important. There is all the science and the technology and, you know, the analysis to make sure you can make a product. But what actually drives this in the end is whether it's actually economically viable to do as well. Um, So you could spend, you know, a bit of investment into creating a process and creating a product. But if there isn't a market and you can't make it financially viable, um, then that can actually be a hurdle. So that's another part of our research uh, where we do what is called techno-economic sustainability modelling. What we mean by that is we look at the processing technologies that are out there together with the economics. So, you know, it may be cheaper cheaper to use a certain process over another. Um, It may be that the more expensive process can give you a higher value product. Um, So we balance those sorts of things out. And that higher value product, does the pricing actually match the market that you have available? Um, And the sustainability part of it is looking at the resources that you've taken to produce that product like energy and water and what have you, how is that sustainable? Is there things that can be reused or are you just using up resources um, and so forth? So those two big words together, um, we're looking about at viability of doing these things. So there's a lot of things you can actually do. People are very creative. Um, you mentioned where are we at as an industry. There's a lot of ideas. There's a lot of approaches. But what actually does drive it is the viability of doing it. Sounds like an entire PhD in just that analysis. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's probably a few PhDs. (laughs) (laughs) So do you see that there will be more commercially viable repurposing food waste projects available to consumers soon? 
Absolutely. Um, so that is one of the main purposes of the Science Food Waste CRC um, is to you know tackle this problem of what our team's terming food excess and food byproducts uh, and the sorts of things you can do. Um, so there is a focus, yes, on um, food products, food ingredients. Um, packaging because some of the, you mentioned the pineapple leather, um, but you can make you know packaging materials out of some um, food skins and husks and fibrous materials. Uh, there is another arm of it where um, your food waste, so at the end of the supply chain, which is your rubbish, it's inedible, might not be useful for anything much at all because of the deterioration, um, but it can be uh, what we call anaerobically digested um, to produce energy resources. And but what I mean by energy resources, you can produce things like methane, which can be combusted for energy to run your processes. So in your techno-economic analysis, you can build that in that a portion of your food material can be used to produce energy, and that energy can drive your processes for creating your ingredients and your food products and what have you as well. In a previous uh, Gutsy Matters podcast episode, we interviewed... Uh, Councillor Rebecca Von Hoff from the Toowoomba Regional Council and she yep. was talking about the food waste from the previous rubbish tip, which was landfill where there was obviously um, foodstuffs or, or byproducts of food yeah. um, that is now not being used, but the energy that's contained in that food they're actually using now to supply the energy for the Watulla, uh Waste Recycling Water um, Facility in Toowoomba. Nice, yeah, and that was a really good initiative that, um, you know, it was normally landfill. Um, so it was yes. normally just dumped um, in the landfill and you forget about it and it's a lost resource and there is energy value in there. Um, and so it's really good to hear that then they can recover that still um, in future to drive some of the processes and you're going to see a lot more of these types of, of initiatives around the place as well. And it's excellent to see that that people are using these in a in a viable way, that it's not just an idea, but they're actually yeah. getting in and getting some things happening because, I mean, that was an old landfill site that now they can use the energy generated under the under the ground that's sitting there yeah. going to waste otherwise. So, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, historically we did draw resources from the ground to provide energy. Um, so when you think about your fossil fuels, um, so your food, uh, organics, there would be a lot of plant material, but your fossil fuels are originally ancient, um, passed away creatures. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, there's a bit of commonality in a way. Are there some other projects that you were working on? You were talking about working closely with the Fight Food Waste CRC and the commercial um, reality of some of these um, byproducts. Are there some other projects that you're working with them that would be interesting to hear about? I mean, I'm sure you're doing so many different projects, it's probably hard to pick some. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so not specifically with that. Um, uh, there's probably a couple of others I can't really talk about at all. Um, a lot of these things, um, getting off the ground, there's usually possible patentable technologies yes. um, that are being developed as well. Um, and so until that's gone through the final steps, there's not a lot to talk about. Um, but, um, yeah, there are a lot of other food byproducts and things I'm working with. Probably the other thing that's sort of adjacent to this is looking at food packaging, circular economies as well. Um, and so this is definitely quite topical. So with the government introducing uh, export bans of particular um, plastic um, waste, amongst other things as well, there's a real need to have the 
processing capability or the repurposing capability here in Australia. Um, so there's a lot of movement in the space for things like glass reprocessing, plastic reprocessing, certain paperboards. You can't actually reprocess here in Australia yet. Um, so there's a push for that. Um, and rubber um, is another thing. So my, with my other hat on, more as a, a materials engineer, um, there are projects that we're working on, particularly with mixed waste streams. Now, over time, um, we hope that's going to be a bit of less, of, you know, less of a problem because we'll be hopefully separating things out a little bit more. Um, but currently, we do have a lot of mixed waste streams with a whole lot of different types of waste together. Um, and so our team works on, well, what are the interesting things that we could do with these um, in an economically viable way? Because, again, that's one of the major hurdles for it. You could expend a lot of time and effort and money on something. But, again, if you don't have a market and or the market won't pay um, what it is you need to charge, then that can be a problem. So it's more about the, the modelling of the scenarios, uh, which is the valuable part there. Fantastic. That's one of our um, passions and bugbears as well as about food waste and, and packaging waste and there's just so much packaging that's unnecessary. And, and again, when we were talking to Councillor Rebecca Vonhoff, we were sort of questioning her um, from a regional council point of view of what happens to the waste, what happens to it yeah. when it goes into, you know, people very carefully put their recyclable waste in the recycle bin, but where does it go and what happens to it? And at the moment... Well, that particular council is is selling it to a commercial company, and they won't tell them what they do with it. So you still don't get to the end of where, where does it actually go after it leaves your house into your recycle bin when you've done your part in in the recycling journey. So it's an interesting interesting area. Yes, very interesting. Actually, we we are partnering with um, our friends over at Grand Central Shopping Centre. Um, so their ops manager over there, Simon Wilkinson, he's great. Um, he's not just about diverting and separating the different waste streams, but he wants to know what happens to them. So when you were saying before, they don't know, they won't tell them what they do with it. Simon, with his waste, has been looking at, you know, where does my cardboard go? He knows very well. Uh, what happens to my food organics? He knows very well. Some of it comes back as compost to the centre. What would happen with my plastics? And we're going to be working with them on a stream that's a little bit tricky, which is wax cardboard. So that's often used for transporting fruits and vegetables because cardboard, if you've got anything moist in it, obviously it deteriorates. So it needs to have a, a surface on there that's what we call uh, hydrophobic, um, which means that it's going to repel um, water. And there is really no real pathway for that currently for the wax cardboard. So guess where it ends up. Wow, that's great that a big shopping centre like that is is coming on board and, and working with you to develop different processes. Yeah, no, and, and the really great thing about it is they want to know where it is going and what is happening to it. And if you don't know where it's going and what's happening to it, well, then why would you do that? Well, it sounds like just listening to you that there's a lot of high quality food out there that we don't know about and there's a lot of energy available to us or energy sources available to us that we are not yet using. And then and the other thing that sort of just pops into my mind is there's this massive urge amongst all of us to be better resource users in all aspects, you know? Yeah. So it's just going to continue to expand, isn't it? It's a really it's a nice, I mean, we're at the start, like you said, we're at, a, at the infancy of it in Australia, but we're all wanting more, aren't we? 
Yes, we are. Um, so quite interesting. With the Fight Food Waste CRC, there's actually three programs, one of which is reduce, so reducing the amount of stuff that goes to waste in the first place. There's what we call transform, which is probably more where our area sits, which is transforming food so it doesn't become waste. And then the other one is actually engage. So people being aware of how they can contribute to reducing the problem, so more um, general public engagement um, or industry engagement and so on, because sometimes things can be confusing. So going back to your packaging question, there was recently the Australian Recycling Label Program that got going in the last few years. And the purpose of that is to actually have a few icons on your packaging so you know exactly what you have to do with it. So what do you do with your lids on your drink bottles? Um, what do you do with the label? What do you do with the bottle? That kind of thing, because sometimes it's not clear. And coffee cups are one of the worst offenders because people are never quite sure, is it actually you know, compostable or is it recyclable or what? And I often see people standing at the bins kind of you know, looking back and forth um, of what to do. And so actually one of our projects, which we hope will be funded, we're still waiting on outcome, um, is actually about producing an app where you can scan a code, a barcode typically, uh, on a lot of things, where you scan the item um, and there can be a bit of image um, artificial intelligence, which will then, the app can tell you what exactly you have to do with it. You know, it's quite common people might stand at the bin and go, I do not know. Um, <laughs> when you're not sure, it's best to actually go to a landfill. The reason being, if you're not sure and you put something that might contaminate the recycling stream, then that also makes that landfill anyway. So can you enlighten listeners which bin they put their coffee cup, the takeaway coffee cups in? Yeah, they're tricky. Currently not typically recyclable unless they overtly say on the cup. The reason being with coffee cups, you might look at them and see they're cardboard or paper-based or something like that. But um, as you know, paper cardboard is a bit absorbent. So what often happens with quite a few coffee cups, they have a lining um, on the inside that might be plastic-based or wax-based or otherwise, which means in our current processes they're not actually recyclable. Uh, in some ways they can be compostable, though, so your paper's quite compostable. Um, it's just more the lining that can be a bit of an issue. What about coffee grinds? Have we worked out any clever way to use those other than facial scrubs? Oh, yeah, coffee grinds. Ah, interesting you say that. So someone came to me a little while ago who's in the coffee um, extract um, game <laughs> as well. So um, coffee grinds are really good in, um, I think there's certain composts um, that they can be used in. I'm trying to think. May potentially be used in mushroom compost, if I remember uh, yes, rightly. Yes, yes. Yep. Um, so that's one good use straight up. Um, there are also a lot of interesting things in there. Um, it's good for the cosmetics industry. So uh, you mentioned coffee scrubs, um, but there are things that you can extract out of there which can go into your face creams and all sorts of other things as well. And there are actually some nutritional things in there. So some things I've sort of had raised with me is could you use the spent coffee, you've kept it all sterile and everything, dried it out, could you put it in a chocolate, for example, um, or something like that. There's so many interesting projects and ideas that are floating around. It's it's really good to hear firsthand some of the things that you're actually doing at the University of Southern Queensland. We probably could talk on and on about all sorts of things, but I know your time is valuable and we really thank you very much for, for coming onto the Gutsy Matters podcast today. And if, if people are wanting to find out more 
particularly I guess it's about the food science major that you do. Um, do they just look up the USQ website? Is that the best way to go? Yes, that is the best way to go. So if you go onto the website, which is www.usq.edu.au, and if you search for food science, um, you should be able to find the major. I can mention a little bit about what it covers. The first year is really the introduction course, which gives you a little bit of a slice of the courses that are coming. Um, so you learn about food resources, so plant-based, animal-based, uh, aqua-based, etc. Uh, you also learn about the chemistry of food, and that underpins a lot of the ways in which you might handle it um, and preserve it uh, and all sorts of other things as well. You learn about nutrition, but you learn about that typically after chemistry because you need to understand what are the compounds in your foods and then from a nutritional point of view how they're helpful. Um, you also learn about food microbiology, so you learn about the nasties that might get in food if you don't handle it properly, or process it properly, uh, but you also learn about the useful ones. So did you know that chocolate is actually a fermented product? Um, so before the coffee beans are roasted to then produce the chocolate, the process on farm, there's a fermentation involved to get the beans to the point that they need to be, and that was something new that I learned only a few years ago myself. It always sort of worked beyond uh, that part of the process. But um, yeah, the good ones, so wine, chocolate, cheese, etc., which involves some microbiology as well. And then in the final year, we really get into the process engineering side of things. So for higher volume production, what's involved in terms of energy, resources, um, how that can be made more efficient and safely. Uh, the students for their capstone course get to make their own food product. So they design it from scratch, from an idea, through to a final product with packaging as well. Um, and as part of that, they get introduced probably to more of the what we call consumer science. So they spend a lot of time on the technical science. Consumer science is a different game altogether, and there's a bit of psychology involved in that too. Um, but understanding what kind of market would their product actually go towards and, and how can you reach that potential mark, the customers in that potential market. And then lastly, along with that, they do uh, quality assurance as well. So when you're creating a food product or a beverage product, um, how can you create it consistently so it has the same quality every time, so it's the same colour every time, it's the same size, it's the same shape, um, if those are important characteristics um, for your food, or the same texture or the same flavour, because your customers tend to notice if those things change. And that's in a, in a nutshell, and as you mentioned, people can go on the website and look it up a bit more. Thanks for the summary. We've probably piqued some interest. Excellent. An interesting program from start to finish, regardless of whether they take their, their final food product to market? Yes, yeah, that's right. Um, so it's, it's more about learning about the process of doing so. So when they get out into industry uh, and if they end up in a role of that nature, they're aware of what's involved. Well, thank you so much, Polly, for your time and for telling us all about some of the projects that you're doing and we will watch with interest to, to hear about more that, that's happening at the University of Southern Queensland. So thank you very much for your time. Thanks again for having me along. Really enjoyed it. Our pleasure. If you've enjoyed this conversation and know people who'd be interested in knowing more about this topic, then show them you care and send them the link to this podcast. To keep up with our Gutsy Matters conversations, subscribe and share with your friends. For extras, follow Stored Naturally on Facebook and Instagram. Gutsy Matters podcast is brought to you by Stored Naturally. 
We are the creators of the all-natural hemp fresh produce enhancer for longer-lasting and healthier fresh food kept in the fridge. Available at storednaturally.com.